0: Arigato, Mr. Romato. Thank you, Jay. We have a robot of our own that we fail to talk about often here on the show, and I figured we need to give him some spotlight tonight.
1: Well, I think for me, I, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I just don't like to brag. So, you know, I kind of let the fact <laughs> that we have a robot co-host speak for itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't have to like rub it in, yeah. like hey we we have a robot,
1: hey, other podcasters. we got a robot,
0: <laughs> but I mean, he has to have relatives like long lost relatives. His mom could be Rosie the robot,
1: God you and Rosie the robot you're a, it's it's kind of almost a fetish with you.
0: Who doesn't want a robot that cleans your place? That's awesome.
1: No, I agree. I mean, Rosie was the best part of the Jetsons.
0: Yeah, we know that you had a crush on Rosie.
1: Yeah, between (laughs) the ample posterior and the glowing red eyes, I was feeling it.
0: (laughs) When it comes to robots, the only other thing I could think of is that there's a dance called the robot. As evidenced
1: by the girl, Violet, in uh, Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning.
0: (laughs) So she did the robot, and we're going to be doing the robot here tonight on the Purple Stuff Podcast.
1: Yeah, I'd say this is one of our most requested episodes. The truth is, I don't know if anyone's requested it, but we wanted to do it. (laughs) I requested it. (laughs) (laughs) You did request it. (laughs) we did get one you're right
0: i figured man there's so many
1: robots to talk about we're gonna cover eight great robots tonight but there are so many more we could do a hundred robot shows and still not be done and you're
0: not exaggerating i had a list a mile
1: long that i had to narrow down in fairness you have a list a mile long for every show that you have to narrow down (laughs) That's true. Jay, um, I'm, let's do a show on our favorite things that happened on January 27th, 1996. All right. I'm up to 56. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, I was right there with you. In fact, it wasn't until last night we conceived this show a few weeks ago, but it wasn't even until last night that I could firmly say which four
0: I wanted to talk about. There's so many good entries to talk about, but we did a good job tonight of narrowing it down. So, who's going to kick things off, Matt? Oh, you tell me. Okay, I'll I'll do okay. it. I'll start. That's the answer.
1: I <laughs> Number one.
0: What is this? Your present! Yo, I wanted a sports car for my birthday. Not a no walking trash can. Oh, come on, he looks great here. He's extremely psycho, Rocco. Well, since you don't have any friends, we thought you'd like it. Yeah, pretend you're happy. Well, you'll keep it you company when you're all alone. That's a great looking guy. Please make a wish. It's creepy, that talks, that thing. Creepy? These are great. I wish I had one of these when I was growing up. Come on, make a wish, like he says. I wish I wasn't in his nightmare. For my first entry, Matt, we have Seiko which is Paulie's robot in Rocky four. <laughs> I have so many questions. All right. Well, we're definitely going to get into it. And the first thing that I'm going to say is that I know that you're not a huge fan of the Rocky franchise. Okay. And I'm fine with that.
1: It's not that well, I just want I wanna to be, be clear. It's not because I've seen them and I don't like them. It's just that a person like me has just enough
0: of a hard time just
1: sitting down to watch a Rocky movie. Right.
0: I mean, but it wasn't something that was like in your blood growing up, you know? And for me, that's it's just something I used to watch like every two days I would put on and just run around my house, like pretending I was rocking. Right. I
1: mean, you had stairs in your house, so you could mimic that whole stair thing that he does. <laughs> I know that much, at least. He runs up a flight <laughs> of
0: stairs. There's lots of birds around. <laughs> So Rocky gives Pauly a gift of this extravagant robot to be his friend slash butler or maid. Uh, And they kind of have this like underlying love affair.
1: (laughs) I I wouldn't even say kind of. I
0: mean, it's pretty much overtly stated. I mean, it got a little weird for a moment. There's criticism out there, though, as to why these robot scenes exist in what's supposed to be this dramatic movie. If they're like you, and they weren't these like hardcore Rocky fans, they don't realize that this film in particular, part four, they're trying to depict Rocky's lifestyle as very like excessive and to the point where he does have a talking waiter robot Giant swimming pool and fancy sports cars because he's lost the eye of the tiger, Matt. You know what I'm saying? So,
1: wait, all right, all right. Now, I watched the robot scenes, but I only watched them. So, my entire experience with Rocky 4 or the two scenes with the robot, what you're telling me actually makes sense. What you're saying, and is this like a real thing or your theory that the robot exists to show that Rocky's out of touch with the common man? It's not blatant, but it's part of the case. I mean, because I'll be real when I'm watching. It's like, who the fuck could get a robot like this? (laughs) Look at who you are.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, by putting Seiko in this film, they're helping to reinforce that theme. But anyway, so real quick, a tidbit for you is that Stallone got the robot because at the time his son was autistic and supposedly robots were good with autistic children. So he, he got the robot to come on set, and then he actually gave him a role. And that robot, Seiko, is actually in the screen actors' guild.
1: <laughs> that last part, I don't know if I that's swear. True. Yeah. Everything else you said is true. I read that all today. And if you want to look at this movie from a really generous angle, you could say that putting the robot in was also a way to help kind of normalize the concept in case it ended up becoming... A big thing to treat or to help treat autism in the real world, like way to go, alone. Right, normalizing the whole robot pal.
0: They got Paulie the robot pal because they said he had no friends, <laughs> and that so Bobby Baccala's dad. <laughs> I totally forgot that it's Bobby Baccala's
1: dad in in the Rocky movies. It That's, is that was an extra treat. I thought I was
0: just getting a robot. Paulie originally gets the robot, and the robot spoke like a male. Mm-hmm. And the story goes that. In other scenes, the robot started kind of pissing him off. So he reconfigured, he rewired the robot to start talking with a female voice.
1: I I, I picked up on that, yes.
0: Wondering if there's like a deleted scene that shows him rewiring it with like his tongue hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, that's what they said, that there's deleted scenes, but they, they haven't surfaced as far as I know. So if anybody has seen those, let me know. Send me the link. I'd love to see them. But for a reasonable $345,000, we can have a Seiko of our very own from hammaker and Schlemmer catalog.
1: Oh, my God. So three hundred forty five grand, and we could have this alien <laughs> bug vacuum cleaner
0: rolling around? <laughs> it's either that or we just... Get the reaction figure in my other room that they came out with. <laughs>
1: I saw that. What a cool... See, that's what reaction is good for. You get all those weirdo yeah. characters. Seiko is very cool. And I don't know that I've seen even one of the Rockies in fall. I've seen clips of them all. But now with this knowledge,
0: there's no way that Rocky 4 isn't the best of them. And believe it or not, he was also in a terrible music video where he kisses Carly Simon. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> It is true That's too weird to make up Why wouldn't that
1: be in the opening line On his Wikipedia <laughs> I made out with Carly Simon <laughs> Famous for his appearances In Rocky IV And in a Carly Simon music video
0: Hey Carly are you okay with kissing robots on screen <laughs> Sure the <laughs> that yeah. That's my girl
1: Thanks honey.
0: You're welcome.
1: It's a nice song.
0: It's my favorite. You're the greatest. See you, sport. See you.
1: No Paul, who taught her to talk like that?
0: She loves me. Oh. Number 2 Great what? Here! Uh-oh. Oh, my frazzled circuits! Oh!
1: My first pick is the Great Heap, Jay. Oh. oh my god. Oh my god, I'm going for a deep cut right off the bat. Here's the deal. Back in the 80s, there were a few cartoons based on Star Wars characters, including one called Droids, which of course had 3PO and R2. Were you a watcher of that show?
0: Well... <laughs> I was, but you did the old Matt. No one else has seen the things that I have seen in my life. You're, when you said this to me, I'm like, of course oh, I've God, seen you. Droids. Take such offense. I'm just
1: trying to save some time in case, in case you maybe forgot something. Rather than have you come to me two hours later, what's that? Right, I forgot.
0: What's droids, man? Yeah. Yes, I've seen know the cartoon. First yeah. of all,
1: I was not telling you <laughs> that there was a droid series. I was reminding you that The Great Heap was a villain in their like TV movie. Oh, yeah. This was a big deal. The Saturday morning cartoon ran in 1985. And then like a half a year later, in June of 86, we got this like final episode that was an hour long and it aired in prime
0: time. The Great Heap. <laughs> And they were expecting like big ratings and they had that logo. It looked like like National Lampoon's vacation oh, logo. Yeah,
1: it's so good. Yeah. My yeah. God. Yeah. But this was sort of the swan song, not just for the show, but really for like Star Wars in general for a long time.
0: Yeah, there wasn't. It was kind of like a dry spell. Right. I mean, point. we got
1: Star Tours in 87. But other than that, it was like pretty much dead through the 90s. So this was a big deal. Yeah, Exactly. The name of the show is also the name of my pick, which is the robot villain, this giant evil droid who, like, takes over an alien planet and turns everyone on it into his slaves. If you could picture, like, the cat slayer from Thundercats and mix that with Garfield, it's pretty much that.
0: Or, like, kind of a little bit like if you took the face of Gigantor, the big robot Gigantor. Kind of like, yeah. Like, a little bit like that, mixed with the cat's lair.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something, uh, it's either Garfield or, or or your giant robot mixed with the cat's lair. As long as the cat's lair is involved, to some degree. <laughs> so, you got this fucking, like, castle-sized badass droid. And he powers himself with astromech droids, which means, like, R2-D2 kind of droids. Right. So, he has this system where his minions bring these droids to, like essentially the droid version of Pleasure Island. It's like Club Med. It's like a spa <laughs> it, for it droids. Is like that yeah. they're in oil pools. They're actually ordering oil cocktails, all that kind of shit.
0: Welcome to the By 2 Droid Hero. Our master, the Great Heap, wants you our two units to relax and enjoy yourselves.
1: Uh-huh. But whenever the Great Heap needs to recharge, which is like every fucking five seconds in this cartoon, I'm like, some villain, <laughs> it's like he can't get through a sentence without needing another droid. But anyway, they'd swipe one from this like Pleasure Island place and let him drain the fucker. And he like spits out these used up colorless husks. (laughs) It's really creepy. I mean, I remember being a kid in 86 and you're younger, so I'm sure it affected you, too. Like this was like almost the shoe dip scene from Roger Rabbit. Uh,
0: I'm not that much younger than you, but yes, I do remember it. And this is like pretty crazy because when you think about uh, a droid eating another droid, yep. it's kind of like very cannibalistic. <laughs>
1: it is. And it's like they actually put the droids in the Great Heap's mouth. So he's like essentially chewing them while he's draining them. And he just spits them out like a chicken bone.
0: So they're on this planet, two, And it sounds like Batu, which is where Galaxy's Edge is but they're two different planets right mm-hmm. so you're and, are you
1: trying to insinuate that the uh creators of galaxy's edge were throwing a little bone to the
0: the finale of the droid series i think what they're trying to do is eventually open a great heap ride in galaxy's edge. oh my god it, you know it'd be the only ride in
1: disney that had two people ride it a year but oh my god we would have the best time jay
0: <laughs> Matt, you would be running to that ride. Eat me, eat me great heap. Eat, eat me. me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All you other fucking turkeys get your selfies with the falcon. I'm
0: getting mine with the heap. <laughs> so, did you notice, like, toward the end where the great heap is getting defeated? And he's he just erratically is just yelling oh my and like God, moaning. That's the scene,
1: so right. Yeah. It's like I, I I might be sort of truncating the end, but essentially, he gets defeated by rain. It's like it just, yes. it just like it falls apart, it's like, like, a he just melts basically in the rain. But yeah. it, his yeah. death scene is so protracted, and his scream of death yes. is so unlike his normal voice because you know, he's the great heap.
0: I actually, I recorded it. I recorded it. Here, listen. (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, that's just.
1: No, You're five years old. You're on the floor. You're alone. You're watching the giant robot scream to death. Torture
0: yeah it's in all different octaves it sounds like he's like falling off a cliff that's just never-ending you know
1: right right it it, it almost goes to comical if it wasn't so horrifying it would be funny so the great heap i know uh this series isn't on disney plus yet but if anyone wants to watch the The great Great heap Heap. it is on youtube
0: i need to recharge Fetch me an R2 unit from the harem! Coming up... An R2 unit!
1: (laughs) Number 3
0: All right. For my next robot, Matt, we have Rogun by Arco 1984. This was a toy. It was sort of like a transformer slash rifle. I'm not saying GoBots yet because we didn't get there, but (laughs) but we will get there. So I brought up Arco, the company. They'd made this series called The Other World, and that was like action figures, and it was a castle and all kinds of stuff that was kind of like knockoff He-Man in a way, but... Yeah, you I went remember. on like a, a 50, if I remember
1: things correctly, this was a few years ago, but I think you went on like a 55 minute rant about <laughs> how much you love those little imps and that food yep. castle and how oh, you, yeah. you just can't bring yourself to spend the $700 to reclaim it. But knowing
0: <laughs> you, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> so exactly. That company was also responsible for this transforming rifle, a cap gun. When we were kids, everybody that I knew had this thing. So if you like, if you're in our age group, if you went to somebody's toy room or playroom or basement garage, you probably seen this Rogun Okay. Yeah,
1: and, well, I mean, I had it too. And the thing is you mentioned Arco, the thing with Arco is that while they made, I guess you would say lesser toys than the bigger companies, their toys were f- everywhere. Like you would go to the pharmacy and they would be, oh, there's the Arco section here next to the cough drops.
0: Yeah, they had a lot of penetration. Yeah, that's exactly how I'd put it. (laughs) So, yeah, Rogun was very prevalent all over the place. And it was like a cheap, safe bet as a gift. So, like, you know, if your aunt got you a gift for your birthday, you probably got Rogun.
1: This is what I'm saying. Your aunt stops at CVS on the way. She wants to get a pack of smokes. They sold them back then. She gets her uh, Salems or whatever, and she gets a Rogun. Little Johnny, I love it. It's a gun.
0: So of course, yeah, things change now nowadays. You can't be giving kids guns, but back then everybody was getting guns. Everybody's got (laughs) guns. The rogue gun uh obviously transformed into a rifle, but it was also a cap gun. So you would put the caps in it and they would it would make a snap, but also you'd get like a tiny little bit of smoke come out of it, which kind of cool. Oh that that smell. Oh Cappy, you're delicious. (laughs) Cappy. Totally normal thing when I was three years old to be packing heat. <laughs> right. Right. So, this was like a no name toy that was so popular that the GoBots licensed it out and changed the name and then put it out under under the GoBots moniker.
1: See, I don't. I I I feel like I should have known that, but I don't think I did. So you're saying that the Rogun, the GoBots Rogan that I know, was originally just like a no name Arco brand Rogan.
0: Yes, and that's what I'm saying. I had the no-name Rogun and oh. I and the the reason for me bringing this up cuz I I found it to be interesting is the fact that I never knew until many years later. I always thought it was a generic toy that it was in the cheap aisle like at right, Caldor, a Caldor. Right. But like it wasn't eventually like it was like a year later and then it was a GoBot named Shotgun.
1: Yeah, I mean I got I I think they even like I don't even think they named it until even later than that,
0: but it was definitely GoBots branded and that's the one I had is actually one of the largest GoBots in the line. And if you transform it into rifle stance, it uh, looks like it's doing the backstroke.
1: Uh Well, that's your (laughs) take. I mean, to me, the the rifle mode looks like an erect canine. (laughs) I guess this is sort of like an inkblot test. It's like a Rorschach. What what do you see?
0: (laughs) The Rogun Rorschach.
1: I had it as the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly i had the the gobots branded one and you mentioned how it was you know the biggest gobot you're right it was it towered over the rest of them but to such an enormous degree that you couldn't even like pretend they were from the same universe well i mean
0: it was it was definitely a stretch but it's like you know. a
1: redwood tree amongst the other i mean the gobots were little tiny guys remember <laughs> these weren't like yeah. big guys they're little tiny like they were like four inches tops
0: yeah and but you got a over there it was like as tall as you are there's, there's always room for the giants, though. I think the reason why uh, this belongs on the list tonight is because I kept that motherfucker for a long time. Usually I was I would lose interest, but this thing stuck around for many years.
1: You've been making movies since you were a kid, and I shudder to think at how many times you needed like a futuristic space gun for your <laughs> movie plots. <laughs> I know this is a movie about basketball, but what I'm thinking in the finale is I shoot you with this gun.
0: (laughs) You know, it's true. Number four. If you enjoy being really scared, and you're not afraid of the unknown. Who's well, there? If you found a friend in fear, then we have a friend for you. Hi. Meet Samantha. Come to the police. Wes Craven, the director of Nightmare on Elm Street, brings you his most frightening creation. Sam? And she can't live without you. Maybe I'll come over sometime. Deadly Friend.
1: Tuesday at 8 on Channel 11. My second pick is my new obsession. Let's talk about Christy Swanson's character from Deadly Friend. <laughs> Yes, I let's am do it. Telling you here, this oh, I am in love with this movie. Deadly Friend came out in 1986, directed by Wes Craven. By and large, it is not considered a good movie, especially by Wes Craven standards. Right, and I don't know if you know like the whole backstory here, but the the situation is that Wes set out to basically make like a weird science kind of film, and the studio pushed him to add gore to like live up to his Elm Street legacy. Right. So you have this like movie that's like one tone and then they have all these nightmare sequences that are so gory. It's it's really <laughs> bizarre.
0: Yeah, I mean you're following up one of the biggest horror movies of all time like you said Nightmare on Elm Street and it's based off a book this movie right. that may not have been <laughs> what most people would think of uh, when they hear Wes Craven.
1: My take on based on Wes's interviews is that he was like looking forward to going in a different direction. And then the studio based on one test screen, he was like, nah, dude, you did Elm Street. So you got to turn this into an Elm Street movie. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. they did reshoots where it's like dude, the movie has one flavor and then everything that was reshot is straight out of like Elm Street three.
0: Right. And we wouldn't have this wonderful gem today if they didn't follow through with making it more of a horror film.
1: Yeah, I, I please, I love it. I love it when movies have dual flavors, and that leads me to Christy Swanson. Um, I'm going to try to simplify things here. You have this neighborhood genius who has this like robot he built named BB. He's like this like cool yellow robot, kind of in the vein of the Rocky robot that you talked about, right? So the neighborhood genius who has the robot also gets a girlfriend. And that's Christy Swanson's character who's like, you know, wait, the- wait,
0: oh, wait, wait, I, I know you wanted to simplify this, but I have to stop you right there sure, because sure. stop me. He doesn't just get the girlfriend. This is what bothers me about this movie. I love this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the adorable Christy Swanson living next door to you. And she brings over almost home cookies. Oh my God. I mean, are you serious? Like the kid didn't even have to do anything. And future Buffy is bringing him mass marketed home baked cookies. Yeah,
1: that's, it was, it was a tad unbelievable. And the shot lingered on that beautiful box of almost home cookies. It's the longest shot in the movie by far. (laughs) And she's holding
0: them. So like, she's
1: practically like a price is right. Hostess holding up the prize.
0: Yeah. I mean, if that wasn't product placement, I don't know what was. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's hard to imagine that. I think Nabisco did the almost home brand. It's hard to imagine that they were paying for product placement in deadly friend, but (laughs) I don't know if there's any other explanation. (laughs) no i'm just gonna cut to the chase his robot gets destroyed and then christy swanson's character she gets killed by her abusive father so they got this kid he lost his robot he lost his girlfriend so what does he do he sneaks into the morgue and puts the dead robot's microchip into christy swanson's brain and she comes back to life as this like
0: zombie robot girl yeah, it is a dark, dark film. You know, Very dark. You, kind of, you, you, you kind of glossed over. Yeah, OK. Chrissy Swanson's father is a freaking maniac and there's some uncomfortable scenes. But yeah, he basically pushes her down the stairs and she dies. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's hardcore. And you're right. Like There yeah. are actually been essays written about how scary that character was, the yeah. father. And he was like, it was like, wow, like, I can't believe this movie is going to these places. But it did.
0: Yeah, I I went through a period of my life where I was like just unnaturally obsessed with this movie, mostly because Mama Fratelli's scene.
1: Okay, yeah. So the robot zombie Christie, she's like back to life, and she's like doing her robot dance movement. She can barely talk. She got big black circles under her eyes, and she's sort of like morally confused. So right. she goes on this like killing spree where she's going after anyone who fucked with the robot or with Christy. Kills, like, Christy's dad and then gets to Anne Ramsey. What does she do? She launches a basketball at Mama Fratelli's head, and it explodes. (laughs) It explodes in full gory detail. And then the best part of the whole thing is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but at the end of the movie, they show little clips of the characters when they're running. The cast names on screen. They go back to Anne Ramsey and they show the fucking exploding head one more time. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, they need Christy Swanson on the New York Knicks because,
1: whoa. Yeah, it was like, you know, she's I guess when you have a robot microchip, somehow it makes you physically stronger. So she's (laughs) throwing people over her head half the movie. And then when it comes time to throw this basketball,
0: it's like a missile. Oh, yeah, and she's jumping over cars with, like, one one, uh, one, uh, launch. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, and she's not really a villain. It's like, you're supposed to feel bad for her, and you do. Like, I just think, what a great fucking movie this was.
0: There's a scene where the mother complains to the kid that she bought him a $200 down sleeping bag, and it was trashed in the yard. Meanwhile, Christy Swanson was sleeping in it, right? So I'm thinking to myself... She bought him a $200 sleeping bag in 1986. And with inflation, that sleeping bag today would be $472.38. There's no fucking way I'm buying a sleeping bag for that much money unless Alexa Bliss came inside of it.
1: It's not even possible to buy a 200 I don't think you could do it now, let alone in 1986. Like It wasn't like the sleeping bag was some new. Te- it wasn't like the first television it's it's freaking sewed fabric <laughs> there's no way what would it do that you would pay $200 for the same $20 sleeping bag what did it come with <laughs> i know <laughs> it's like the gold, sleeping gold bag gold. and your silver pendant
0: yeah <laughs> the finale of the film there's a, a police officer who is trying to uh shoot christy swanson and then in slow motion she starts to kind of get into her mode and she's moving toward the cop. Yeah. Now, I didn't think there was any other way to take it other than she was doing a George the Animal Steele impression. You know when George Steele would kind of do that thing with his hands and start running toward people? That's what she was doing. The timeline works
1: out because this is right around the time that George was getting a lot of play on NBC during the Saturday night's main event run. Yep, the Beauty and the Beast storyline. Yeah, yeah. Christy probably saw that on TV a day before the shoot and said, you know what? I got to bring that into my act.
0: That's some inspo right there. You cannot tell me that was not a fully intentional George animal stealing impression.
1: I mean, I don't know that I agree <laughs> that it was, but I love that your mind went there. <laughs> so the film ends, just a last note here, the film ends with Christy getting shot again by the cop that you just mentioned and the boyfriend who is like a total fucking idiot at this point. He still hasn't given really? up on his whole idea. It's like, dude, this, this this whole thing you got going with your robot zombie girlfriend, it ain't working, clearly. But he goes back to the morgue or the hospital or whatever, and he wants to do it again. And what happens? A fucking evil yellow robot jumps out of Chrissy's skin.
0: <laughs>
1: and it's, like, not set up or explained in any way. It's, like, the amount of mental leaps you have to take to try to explain why this would happen it's just, it's,
0: it's just out of control. This movie is just out of control.
1: <laughs> yeah. This was a, a WPAX favorite, also aired during Shocktober. So, Shocktober. I feel uh, especially happy that I've latched onto it. In fact, I've already started buying foreign posters on eBay. I know I'm not kidding. <laughs> Number five. They broke into the mall
0: for the wildest all-night party of their lives. They're dead meat. But you're never alone in the chopping mall. What's that?
1: Robot man.
0: Shopping Mall where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. My next pick, Matt, is the Killbot from Chopping Mall from March of 1986.
1: Oh, what a good movie. Watched it for the first time in a long time the other night, and I've forgotten how good it is.
0: Yeah, this is one of those cult classics kind of on the order of a horror movie like Deadly Friends, something that never really rose to like the crazy classic movies like Friday the 13th style, you know, but Chopping Mall has its cult of fans. Right. It doesn't say.
1: it doesn't have the amount of fans, that's true. But in vibe it, it is essentially Friday the thirteenth with robots.
0: When you talk about mall security guards, um in this case it's a mall security guard that kills and it's a robot so I mean it's, mean, it's, it's it's a team of them a squadron of them When you always think about mall security, they had that stigma of not being like the swiftest or most capable. And in stark contrast to Paul Blart, these are killbots bots that didn't use a baton or pepper spray. They had no qualms about killing without hesitation. They're very murderous. The way they killed you was just nuts. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah. And so with the backdrop being the mall, we could really think back about how when we were growing up the mall was like the best place to be. And now nowadays are going into the shitter. Nobody even goes to the mall anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, we
0: need a mall renaissance.
1: If nothing else, a uh, reason to watch Choppy Mall is like shots
0: of old bookstores and things like that. Aww. But obviously these robots are going around killing the kids that are stuck in the mall, okay? So right. we don't have to get into super mega details on the plot there. Uh, I definitely recommend seeing it if you haven't, but let's get into some of the lines there's a girl and a guy and they're trying to get it on. And the line is you smell like pepperoni. I like pepperoni. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also, there's a point where they get stuck in one of the stores and uh, Barbara Crampton's line is, uh, oh, no, we're never going to get out of here. And it was like right before that. They're like, the doors don't open till six. So like they knew exactly when they were going to get out of there. You know, these are the types of lines that <laughs> they didn't really think through. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah,
1: I, I, it, it definitely was a one pass script, but I, I guess they figured, you know, that this is just perfect as is run it.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, just just print it. Um, But a couple of things that would appeal to you is that uh, better cheddars make an appearance. I noticed that, you know, it's so funny because
1: as much as it might seem like an ideal situation to the audience of the era. Oh, my God, a makeout session in a closed mall. That sounds like fun. I'm looking at that better cheddars. I'm like, holy shit, going to closed mall and eat better cheddars.
0: We often see stores in the background when you see malls in the movies, and you get that kick of nostalgia, like b Dalton and their Walden books. Yeah. But in this mall, there's a place that I don't even know if they still exist anymore, the House of Almonds. I I just want to reiterate that. The House of Almonds. (laughs) I would love to live in the House of Almonds.
1: Is that a real... Let me look this up. House of Almonds. I wonder if it's like a real situation...
0: I don't know, but I'll tell you, they probably had all kinds of almonds, like like cinnamon almonds and you wasabi almonds a, a, a and entire mall you know,
1: dedicated to almonds would, yes, have a, a pretty good selection of almonds,
0: habanero almonds. <laughs> I mean, you name it.
1: Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm looking it up. I, I, there are houses of almonds. God knows if they're the same ones, but you would imagine, yes, at one point, house of almonds chain. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so House of Almonds, Dick Miller, Killbots—it's got it all. It, it's even has it even has an end credits sequence that looks like an old eighty sitcom where <laughs> they, they show the shots of the actors with their names on, <laughs> and Tony in quotes as Killbot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fantastic so i love chopping mall i definitely recommend this to anyone who hasn't seen it like you said it's on amazon prime
1: yeah i couldn't believe it i believe it's also free if you're a prime subscriber so get on that when you hear pretty much everyone that's listening has at least heard of this movie and it sounds like one of those goofy movies that like is so bad it's good no it's
0: actually just kind of good it's good and it has barbara crampton so watch it
1: Number six. Only we have a military attack group like the Combaticons. Transform
0: Combaticons and attack the new Autobots city! Autobots, this is our new city Metroplex. It can transform into a battle station and then transform again into the gigantic Metroplex himself. But the Combaticons can combine to form Bluticus! Uh, Lexicons attack, transform Metroplex! The Transformers! The Transformers from Hasbro.
1: My third pick is Metroplex, the Autobot City from the Transformers universe. Nice. Are you, like, familiar enough with Transformers to know about Metroplex?
0: Yeah, I know about Metroplex. I mean, I'm not a huge Transformers person, but I do have a decent amount of knowledge.
1: Okay, so uh, Metroplex, he was a character on the cartoon, but I really just want to talk about the toy he came out in 1986, and as soon as I saw the commercial, I knew I had to have it. Got him for my birthday that year, and for a while, absolutely my number one favorite toy. Have you seen this thing in person?
0: Um, not in person, only only on, like, videos and stuff, but this thing was uh, very cool because it was more like a playset.
1: So, he starts off with this, as this, like, robot who I guess was around a foot tall. Then you could transform him into a whole city, like, with a landing pad and Secret car garage. Oh, had so many parts that you could actually make additional Transformers by using like his kneecaps and cod piece.
0: Yeah, he had like a few different like little free Transformers that came not free, but you know, little extras that came with them, which was awesome. The
1: situation, you had to use your imagination a little bit because only a few of the Transformers toys could actually sit on him. He really wasn't that much bigger than most of them. <laughs> Because I, <laughs> I got Rodimus, who was the leader at that point, and, like, obviously I wanted him to rule over the Autobot city, but you'd stand him on top of Metroplex, and it was like Rodimus was 10,000 feet tall.
0: The the fact that he had three different transforming modes, okay. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: It is cool yeah. in concept. I will be honest, and I say this as the biggest Metroplex mark on the planet. You had the robot mode, and that worked, and you had the city mode, and that worked, and then you had something I think they called, like, the battle mode where he was like mm-hmm. half transformed and they called it another mode. That's not really a mode.
0: Well, okay, so, so yeah. It's so like, when he like, put his legs he, forward and push his head down and that's, that's a mode too. He could transport missiles like on the highway. I thought that was awesome. Like that. No, nobody likes that mode, but to me, that's the coolest mode. Because if you're driving down the highway with like these three big ass missiles, like nobody's going to mess with you when you're driving to work. <laughs> oh boy,
1: Jay, you're, you're sometimes when you're just so right. I mean, I've, I've been sitting here with these preconceptions about Metroplex's battle mode for hmm, t- 30 years, over 30 years. And now that you've confronted me with the knowledge that he would make a great missile transport,
0: I got to change my tune. Missile. <laughs> he won't even have to worry about easy pass. He's like, fuck easy. Oh, driving the right fucking, through this yeah. Uh, <laughs> all five Kiosk so will be <laughs> dust. <laughs> Next time we drive to the movies, I'm driving on Metroplex. Oh, boy. He's
1: such a beautiful bastard. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> quick story I wanted to tell for my birthday, I actually got two Metroplexes that year. And I wanted to keep them both and kind of like make a giant Autobot City. My family got on my case and like they got me to return the extra one for some of those sweet Jeffrey dollars. Oh, yeah. So I got to go on a $40 shopping spree at Toys R Us because of that second Metroplex. And that was like the greatest day of my life.
0: Oh, yeah. That's like a million
1: dollars back then. I was aiming to get all the cheap clearance shit. Like I got the Star Wars Rebo band, which by that point was like $3. So I got bags of toys.
0: I think I like the Metroplex I gave back more than the one I kept. Being that you have such an affinity for this guy, would you consider yourself to be metroplexual? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that your notes
1: for this section were make sure I bring up the fact that it could carry missiles on a highway and metrosexual. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't want anybody messing with me on (laughs) on 287. (laughs) There you go, Metroplex. Nice.
1: Number seven.
0: We're totally going to kill you now. (laughs) No way! Yes way, Ted. We're fully programmed to do it. Yeah. And we want to do it too. (laughs) You dick, Bill! (laughs) (laughs) Ow! You're metal, dude! For my last robot pick, Matt, I actually have two for the price of one. And that is Evil Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Summer of 1991.
1: Oh, watched it last night. Always knew it was weirder than the first.
0: I don't think I remember just how much weirder. It's a lot weirder. Yeah. And actually, I kind of lied because I said we're getting two for the price of one. We're actually getting four for the price of one because there's not only evil Bill and Ted, but there's good Bill and Ted. They're all robots. And then you also have the regular Bill and Ted that are human.
1: So, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, there are actually six Bills and Ted's running around this movie. And actually, there are eight if you count their children who appear in the end. Exactly. (laughs) Fucking it's a, it's a mess.
0: It is. Yeah. So uh, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, which was originally supposed to be named Bill and Ted go to hell, the villain, uh, Chuck Denomolos, former gym teacher who became a diabolical supervillain naturally. Yeah. He programs evil robot Bill and Ted to go back and stop the wild stallions from spreading their unifying musical message. So, yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. And then it became it just kind of became a movie that looked like uh, Tim Burton meets Creepshow.
1: It definitely had a Burton influence. And yeah, I would say kind of like a Creepshow esque vibe at times. You're
0: right. And evil Bill and Ted are so despicable. They tried to kill cats. They kill the good versions of themselves by throwing them off a cliff. And then they try to mess around with the good versions, girlfriends definitely uh, slightly
1: uncomfortable moments with the girlfriends in general you're right like they were real dicks
0: these robots total dicks yeah then evil Ted rips his head out of his socket and dunks it into a mini basketball hoop Um, and Bill attempts the same thing but he gets his head stuck on the blade of a ceiling fan and (laughs) even their creator Chuck Denomolos he hates them too and he created them I hate them I hate robot versions of them You made us, dude. (laughs) For the most part, you wouldn't really have that movie if you didn't have evil robot Bill and Ted. No. That's what I love about Bogus Journey, because, like,
1: the whole story feels like it was constructed by two 10-year-olds who kept, like, trying to top each other with plot points. Like, (laughs) the the fact that they're in hell, there's death, there's an alien scientist who splits into two, (laughs) and then there are these robots. Not just a pair of evil robots, but a pair of good robots.
0: So yeah, you mentioned Station. Station. Station was awesome, and I do hope that he shows up in Bill and Ted Three. Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, I have no doubt that Station. Well, I think
1: the the less safe bet, but I'm really hoping it comes true is that good robot Bill and Ted
0: show up. Oh, that would be awesome too. In our backup dancers, Station's most audacious creations, the good robot ushers. <laughs> One thing I'll leave you with, Matt, is that when I was a kid, I went to the movies with my friend Scott to see Bogus Journey. I told him, I said, listen, I have to stay throughout the end of the credits because they started playing Kiss. God gave rock and roll to you. You needed to piss and there you
1: are. I got to hear this song that I already own on (laughs) cassette and vinyl.
0: (laughs) But it's Kiss, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what you said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I rock and roll to you I rock and roll to you Oh
1: yeah I to you Number 8 Electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Hi, I'm Kevin, Screech's robot. Welcome to our world.
0: Oh, hi, Kelly. Sorry I'm late. I was developing pictures in my dark room.
1: <laughs> They're for Robot Illustrated. I'm Hawk of the Monk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see so you've met my robot, Kevin. <laughs> Screech, he's just like you. It's because I programmed him. That's what he thinks. <laughs>
1: Jay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your favorite character from Save the Bell was probably Kelly.
0: You know me really well.
1: (laughs) No surprise there. My favorite character, though, was Kevin Screech's awesome robot.
0: Kevin would be a close second for me as well.
1: Tall, silver, rolling robot with like the cute little LED eyes and mouth. Speaks perfect English, unlike me. (laughs) Has like a purple slinky around his neck. Just perfect. (laughs) And as for his role on the show, I'm going to borrow a description from the unofficial Saved by the Bell wiki here. Okay. Kevin is a creation of Screech's with artificial intelligence who lives in Screech's room and usually dishes out advice and witty remarks, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) We we first meet Kevin when Screech is tutoring Kelly in that weird episode where Kelly gets a crush on Screech. And oh my God. I loved Kevin in that episode.
0: Yeah. And it was kind of like Kelly was off put. You know, she walks into Screech's room and there's just a robot like following her around. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I think that, but you say off put. I think that's what kind of like turned the corner for her with Screech. It's like, hmm, not so bad. This dude's got his own motherfucking robot. Zach and Slater ain't got no robots in their bedroom. <laughs> so i mean honestly screech was living my personal dream i always loved the idea of like creating a robot just so i'd have someone to hang out with at home (laughs) like i didn't want a robot to help me rule the world or like do labor i just wanted someone to watch reruns with
0: oh that's a good idea well he also uh drinks root beer and eats potato chips so you could do that with him my uh
1: fascination with kevin led me to create my own version at home jay Even better than my Dick Tracy Star Wars robot.
0: Do you have any photo documentation? Because I want to see it.
1: It was just like random knickknacks, like broken stereos and shit, piled up on top of like a skateboard. Oh my God. And to make it talk, I had one of those old Jackie Mason insult machines, those little black boxes. Yeah. So taped on his back was this Jackie Mason thing. So the only thing my robot could say was like, you're a schmuck. The biggest.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Will you
1: always always <laughs> <to> stupid. <stop> it?
0: <laughs> well, it's not too far from Kevin because even Kevin helped Screech with his comedy act, his magic slash comedy act. And now allow me to present my wonderful assistant, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, you're all dressed up. I got a date with RoboCop's kid sister.
1: <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about Kevin is that he was a true recurring character, appeared in three different seasons I believe and they were it was like season two season four and season six so he's all over this show you know that somebody behind Save by the Bell just loved the idea of Kevin
0: Well and that's what I always was was shocked by the fact that they had this gold and he was only in like three episodes you thought he would be in like every episode if you had that robot he would have been in like every other episode.
1: I watched the three, at least the three main episodes that Kevin appears in. And my takeaway aside from there being a robot is that this was a very strange show. They totally could have gotten away with making a robot like a regular cast member. Great
0: pick, Preppy. Hmm. <laughs> thanks. I, I really should be getting home. Screech, thanks for everything. I really had a great time. I did too. Well, well. Good night. Good night. She is cute. All right. So it was a very enjoyable robot show. I had a good time, Matt. I had an okay time, Jay. On a scale of one to 10, where are we standing?
1: Uh, well, on, on a scale from 1 to 10, from your perspective, it would be an 8. But I guess that would be like a 6.5 in real person talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not like it very much. That'll be a 9 out of 10. Oh, please. Coming from the guy who rates everything.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I, I Like, I'll, I'll write that. Oh, these hostess Twinkies. I swear to God, I vomited when I ate them. Score. B plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we had uh, some great picks tonight want me to go through yours yeah let's run them down. all right so you brought to the table tonight on our eight great robot show Seeko, the Rocky 4 robot uh, the yeah. Rogun first made by Arco and then by Gobots yep Bill and Ted's evil robots with a little shout out to the good robots bogus and the killbots the silvery tank things from chopping mall that killed people. Yeah, they're kind of looking like evil Wall-E's. Exactly. That's exactly what they look like. Yes. <laughs> okay, so mm, pretty easy one for me to do tonight. I'm going with the Killbots. I knew, yeah, I
0: knew it was going to have to be Killbots for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a really great movie. It really blends the whole, all the stuff that you love about eighty slashers, the, the better ones, the ones that are more fun and ridiculous. It has all of that and robots, and Mr. Futterman from the Gremlins movies.
0: Yes. <laughs> you clumsy son of a bitch. Look what you did. I got to turn you into scrap metal for this. Oh, yeah. So that's cool. I'm glad you picked that. I love Chopping Mall. Uh, you had an excellent list, I have to say. I was uh, envious of some of the choices. Especially The Great Heap. The Great Heap. Yeah. So let's run them through. We had The Great Heap from the Droids cartoon. Ha, ha, ha. We had Metroplex from Transformers G1. Mm-hmm. We had Screech's robot Kevin from Saved by the Bell. Yep. And we had, of course, last but not least, Deadly Friend from 1986, this Wes Craven movie that is just a an absolute masterpiece that uh, is, is, is very much indescribable. So, oh, uh, yep. God, I, re- I really don't think there is any question. Deadly Friend is definitely going to be my pick.
1: Excellent. I yeah. really, truly believe that this movie deserves so much more uh, attention. I don't know if it's because it was considered a Wes Craven misfire, even though I definitely don't think it was, or if it's because people are kind of weird
0: with Christy Swanson nowadays. But this movie deserves eyeballs. The one scene that I think about in this movie uh, is where the main kid, you were talking about him, he's like the scientist kid who creates Christy Swanson as the robot and all that. When his robot gets destroyed, if you watch the scene where he sees that happen, he witnesses that happen. Right. He goes into an Oscar winning performance. That's the only way I could describe it. I mean, oh, it he is. Was,
1: he was crushed. I mean, you think BB was crushed? He was crushed.
0: He was. Yeah. Just, he was besides himself. Jay. Yeah, it was like his brother got killed in front of him. That's what he
1: it was, was like. He, he was he, that robot. Was his brother, son, father, friend? It played every role to him. <laughs>
0: West was probably like, listen, man, pretend that your dog got killed in front of you. How else could you muster up that kind of emotion? Are you kidding? If someone destroyed, if Anne
1: Ramsey took a shotgun to your one-of-a-kind million-dollar robot that helped you clean, <laughs> I think you would muster up that kind of reaction, too, Jay.
0: <laughs> Get off my property! <laughs> that was a good Anne Ramsey. I've been practicing. <laughs> Damn shit. <laughs> so it was a good time tonight, Matt. And we want to thank everybody for listening. Yeah. And uh, this month for our
1: Patreon exclusive bonus show, we are each going to bring one more robot to the table.
0: We had a longer list, like we said in the beginning of the show. So we'll we'll bring out uh, an extra one on Patreon. So yeah. if you want to visit us over there, it's patreon.com slash purple stuff. Yes. What Jay said. And thank you for everybody who's following us on there. You guys are the best. And you guys who
1: aren't but are listening to the show, you're the second best.
0: <laughs> we love you all though. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Purple Stuff Podcast. I'm Jay from The Sexy Armpit. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. You're wondering who I am. Secret, secret, I've got a secret. Machine on oh
1: Damn shit.
0: I've got a secret I've been hiding under my skin. My heart is human, my blood is boiling, my brain I be
1: Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.